chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 is where we're at this morning. Matthew 16, 18 is what we're going to be at. And I brought this in from out in the parking lot. Uh, This is what we're preaching about. What do you base your faith on? Where are you at with God? Are you solid in your convictions? Are you solid in your commitment to God? Are you solid about God? What do you base your faith on? So, let's with that in mind, let's take a look at Matthew chapter 16. It starts out, I'm going to read uh, from verse 13 through eh, 20, probably 19. Let's see what the Lord has for us today. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to look into your word and to have an opportunity to learn more from it. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do you say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Someday that thou art John the Baptist, Elijah and others, Jeremiah and one of the, or one of the prophets. Now, he was talking to the disciples here, not just the apostles. This, uh, it says so, and a disciple is merely a follower of Christ. So he has a group of men in front of him, some very faithful, some not very faithful, some very learned, some not very learned in the things of God, some very spiritually minded, so spiritually minded that they've left their houses, their professions, and they've chose to follow him, and some that are just curious. So he has this a group of people in front of him, and Peter pipes up in verse 16, and Simon Peter, one of the apostles, answered and said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. There's a lot meant to that. Thou art Christ. When he called Jesus Christ, that meant he was acknowledging him as a Messiah. You see, in those days, they don't take the word God's name in vain. In those days, according to uh, Exodus chapter 20, about the third commandment, it says, don't use the name, I'll, I'll read it to you. Don't use the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Something now, I once stood in a church service and I says, finish this sentence for me. Oh my, that's very popular now. I seen a Billy Graham movie the other day. It was filmed by the same people that did Billy Graham's movies. And it was billed as a family show. And there was a catastrophe that took place. And one of the children in the catastrophe yelled out, Oh, my. And you can fill that in if you've got enough brazen mentality that you want to blaspheme the Lord. You see, I had a point in my life where I uh, was in the air 160 feet rolling end over end in a 1956 Chevy with my bride-to-be at my side busted out the windshield. When the thing rolled back over, I fell back inside the car, finding my wife-to-be cut up and in a state of shock. And I hollered, oh, my God. And I believe she's here today because I asked her, I asked God to help her live. We're in the middle of nowhere. I went to the nearest farm, ran to the nearest farm, and the guy come out, 
and called the police, and I was never so happy to see them. And they ushered her to the hospital. And I believe God had his hand upon him because I did not use the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Now, that's not the point of the message. That's just a sideline. But that means something to God. In fact, in Exodus chapter 20, you'll see the first commandment, and it has to do with the theme of this message. Where do you put your faith? What do you put your trust in? Who is your God? What is your God? Exodus chapter 20 says, verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And then he goes on about no graven images. We don't have graven images, but we have something pretty close to it. You know what they used to call that little pot of money down there? They, those are graven images. When they set up the type for the uh, bills, those are graven, and, and they're graven. And that's how they, do the type. they used to do the type. Now they photograph it. And in the coins, those are all graven, little graven images. So much to the point when Christ was questioned about money, he said, he said uh, whose image is on this coin? Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and the things to the Lord that are the Lord's. And so uh, that's all basic of our faith. How do you have such confidence in the basics of your faith? Because I put my faith, as Peter did, on the rock not on the graven images. Thou shalt take the name of the... Thou shalt, verse uh, 7, the third, the third commandment is, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And then 4 is, Remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. Six days of the week thou shalt labor. We touched on that last time we were together. I base my faith, and I implore you to start basing your faith on the rock. Just as Peter did in Matthew 16, he says, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, <clears throat> Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now, I've been doing a lot of research on different churches in the area and different churches in Alaska. This church is going to be built on this rock. We're going to do things God's way. I'm only standing in front of you today in a testimony of this rock. This is what we should base our faith on. You wonder why, how things get out of hand? Well, when we have our communion, sir, our communion service, which I don't like to say, but because of my church history, I say communion. When we have the Lord's Supper service, you wonder why some came there to eat. It's because their faith wasn't based on the rock. It was based on their feelings. And if they were hungry, they came to eat. God says, I have meat that you know not of. I have water that you will not thirst again. If you're indulging in those things, if you're putting your faith and trust in science, it will let you down. If you're putting your faith and trust in how you feel, that will let you down. When I married that dear lady, I felt like 
it was going to last forever. Sure enough, it's been 50 years, but it's been forever too. (laughs) And my feelings have changed back and forth all through those 50 years, sometimes stronger, sometimes weaker. You have to base it on the rock, not your feelings. You have to base your, your knowledge of the world and why it turns, not even on science, but on the rock. The rock tells you how the world began. They can't prove it any other way. The rock tells you why we're here. The rock will tell you where you stand in society, where you stand with your maker, where you stand with mankind. The rock will solve all that for you. He says, I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we've touched on that before. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. That means if we go and attack hell, whether it's on the south side of this town over at the little bitty uh, marijuana plant or at over on the west side of Ketchikan or whatever, if we go to the far depths of, there's a church, there's an independent Baptist church in Anchorage that's just storming the gates of hell in Ukraine right now. They are doing some things in Ukraine. And uh, God will promise honor that. God will bless them for that. The Ukrainian people are just as heathen as the Russian people. And they need the Lord there. What an opportunity to open that up. What a place to go. And we have other. We Africa, you name it. We, we, we are promised victory if we base it on the rock. Now, maybe you're sitting here today and you don't know about your faith. You're not. You're not really certain about it. You know, things say this and things say that. Let me tell you how I trust in science. I like science. I've got, I've got a degree in social science. And uh, I like science. And when I was a little kid, I sat in science class, and I listened to him tell me how one day we would fly to the moon. Oh, yeah, I was, at, I was in the science class that when that, they, they did that. Right after the dinosaurs left, we started studying why they left. But uh, they told me in science class they would have to get a child. They had just started sending up dogs and monkeys and fish into the atmosphere. And they says, we're going to have to take a child, a baby. Maybe we could have it born on the way to the moon. This is just to the moon. And they says, we're going to have to have that child sent to the moon. And if we're fortunate... And if we can keep him alive and educate him and train him, he'll be 80 years old when he gets there. That's what science told me. I don't trust science. Because science found out just not too much later, when they finally broke through the atmosphere and burnt up a couple of spaceships, that there was no gravity up there, or very little. And now they can get to the moon in what? Three or four days? Science is just studying God is what it should be and why things are. It's not to replace God. So if you're basing your faith in Jesus Christ or basing your faith on God or basing your faith on an eternity or basing your faith on why you're in this world, and if it's on science, I got news for you, it'll change. I remember sitting in college arguing with people. I went to college, yeah, it was right after the dinosaurs tried to come back, but the world warmed up and 
Oh no, the world froze and they all re-died again. <laughs> That's what I went through that science telling me how we were all going to freeze and go through an ice age. Now they're telling us we're going to fry and it's all to make a buck. And so, base it all on science. Man can't control the weather. You know, we can try. But I base my faith on the rock. I don't care what science says sometimes. Sure, I ain't foolish, I'm not foolish enough that if, it's, that if I got the answer in God's word, that's where I'm going to accept it. But I'm not going to take it just from the Joe Smith, the scientist who's been to school 16 years. So have I. There's no big deal about it. You put your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ. Peter put his faith and trust when he said Christ. That meant you're the Messiah. You're what I believe in. You've come. I don't understand everything. I don't know everything. I don't know why. I don't know what we're going to do next. But I put my faith in you, the rock. You don't believe me? Go to Deuteronomy. Go back to the Old Testament, back to where dinosaurs walked. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 32 just a minute. We won't be long there. Genesis, Exodus, Numbers. You see, I'm going to the Word of God, the rock. I'm going to the Word of God, the rock. Oh, you don't even know if you got the right Word of God. Yeah, I do. I got the right Word of God. You know, uh, I had a discussion with somebody, I don't even remember who it was in the last two weeks, about uh, the Jerusalem Bible and uh, uh, Mayflower, or I call it the Mayflower, the Pilgrim's Bible, and a few other of those Bibles. Uh, the Wycliffe, who was a wonderful, brilliant man of God, 76 or 65% of your King James Bible is the Wycliffe Bible. So you just, you just can't get around it. This this was written by more than one man. This was written by the Holy Spirit empowering several men over years. And not only that, 33 men translated it and worked on it sacrificially for over six years before we got it presented. To think that some individual can sit down with this book, and I know personally of individuals who have sat down with this book and tried to interpret it and write a better rendition is a little bit foolish. One man can't tell you God's word. I can't tell you all of God's word. I can't interpret it all for you. I want you to go to the rock. The rock. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Genesis X of Deuteronomy chapter 32. Just look at it briefly. I'm not going to try to uh, impress upon you all kinds of things as far as that goes, but where did he get this saying, the rock? Oh, Peter. Oh, Peter's name was rock, too. Because they were people were proud. My name is Roy. My folks were proud that my name was Roy because it meant royalty. And Peter meant rock and it meant solid. It meant your nature. And people always hoped when they name a child that he somewhat models that name. And to a degree, that happens a lot of times. Uh, I could tell you the joke about Bubba, but I won't tell you that today. Bubba was a very famous name. Uh, look at 32. Look at verse 4 of 32 of Deuteronomy. He is a rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. O God of truth, that with it, without iniquity, just and right is he. Who's the rock? God. He's named as God in Deuteronomy 32, 5 
times. The next time you see him named as a rock in verse 15. The next time you see him named as a rock, and in verse 15, he's second in to he's the second time he's in their lives. Thou art grown thick, thou art coveted with fatness, thou hath forsaken God, which made him the and lightly esteemed is the rock of salvation. There's the rock of salvation. What do you consider it? These people, the Jewish people at the time, were considering it lightly. In verse 15, they considered it lightly. In verse 17, they had no fear of the rock. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not, to, to no gods that came newly up, new gods that came newly up, whom our fathers feared not. The rock, of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful, and hast forgotten God that formed thee. And then there's another time the rock is mentioned. The third time is in verse 31. There, for there is a rock, is not our rock. Then it goes on and identifies the rock in verse 37. You see, the rock of our salvation is nothing new. It's been around a while. And the last time you'll see it mentioned is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Now, the church of Corinth was a carnal church. It was a young church. It was mindful. It was a collection of Gentiles. Very few Jews in it, but there was Jews there. And they were all new Christians. And you never see a church written to as much other than the church of Corinth. And the people were mindful of a lot of improvement. 1 Corinthians 10, 4 talks about 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 4, then you can go back to the rock in Peter uh, 10, 4. And we'll see there uh, 10, 4. And did all drink the same spiritual drink, and they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. You see, he's talking about, they're talking about, in this passage of Scripture, they're talking about when Israel was crossing the desert and uh, the prophet hit the, I got around the word, the prophet hit the rock twice. And that rock fed them, even though they were wrong in their execution and their way to come to it. And Peter, and he was punished, but the rock is, but And he did drink the same spiritual drink, and they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. But with many than them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. And you know when they got overthrown in the wilderness, one of the places was when they looked at the serpent, when they tried to legalize their faith, when they tried to shift it from the rock to the law. And God stood up, and said, all you have to do is look on that serpent in the wilderness, and you will be saved. Now, all you have to do today is take where you call your compass. Every one of us have one. If you're very unfortunate, you're, uh, you might not have a compass. They have special teachers for those type of people. They have special places for those type of people. But if you have any cognitive skills at all, once you meet maturity, you have a compass. 
You have a inside. You have something directing you. And it's that compass is affected by what you believe and what you call stable and what you call the world and the rock you base your faith on, your existence on, your being on. Believe me, I've jumped one well, I've come up on people that did not have any rock, did not have any knowledge of a rock, did not have any understanding of the rock, but yet they had manufactured in some cases their own rock, whether it would be science, whether it would be their feelings, whether it would be their intellectual attributes. It's all about what your compass points from, where you generate your compass for the rest of your life has to be settled on if you want to be successful, if you want to be right with your maker, it's the rock. I could spend the rest of the morning explaining to you how to be saved. I'd rather you'd read Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 5, and you'll understand what your salvation's about. You'll understand that everybody needs to put their faith and trust in the rock. God's not the author of confusion. God's the author of decent and in order. And he wants to set your life in order. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're fighting with, whatever you're having problems with, start going to the rock of your salvation and make sure your salvation, first off, and first in that order, is based on the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who died took your sins along with humanity's sins and brought it before his heavenly father and sacrificed himself for the payment for your sins. And all you have to do is thank him for it. All you have to do is claim it. All you have to do is answer him and call as he calls you and come to him and accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior. Anything other than that is grass, Wood, hay, and stubble. This is the rock, figuratively speaking. Base your future, your plans, your salvation on the rock. Let's all stand.